Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show, we have Srisha Ramdas, SVP and GM at StrikeDeck. Having lived through a couple of acquisitions, Sri shares his number one learning and why he believes that founders should roll up their sleeves and work alongside the sales team post-acquisition as early as possible. We also discuss the motivation behind StrikeDeck, how to assess your customer success maturity cycle, and then dove into how to jumpstart a customer success program. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable, and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, Srisha, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrew, for this wonderful opportunity. I was actually looking forward to being on the show. Awesome. Uh, for the listeners, Srisha is the SVP and GM of StrikeDeck, a company he was previously the CEO and co-founder of before the acquisition by Medallia. StrikeDeck is a G2 customer success category leader that equips you with the right tools to understand customer health, usage trends, reduce churn, improve advocacy, and increase CSM productivity in a centralized system. Shrisha started his career out as an account manager at Tata Consultancy, followed by a couple of other roles in business development before founding Leadformix, which was later acquired by SAP, Kaleidos Cloud, where he went on to serve as the VP of Corporate Development and Partnerships. Shrisha is also an investor and advisor to companies such as Rocket Lane, Tevent, and Workado. So definitely a very busy career for you, Shisha. So my first question for you is, after having lived through a couple of acquisitions of companies you founded yourself, what has been your biggest learning? My biggest learning, Andrew, has been is that after acquisition, don't think the job is done. Your actually job has started. And so you go in and you had to work hard to make the acquisition successful. You had to ensure they integrated with the mother. And for that, you have to work tirelessly. You have to work with the sales team, ensure that your product messaging is reaching them. They know how to uh, sell. They understand the motion of the sales process very well. And also, you have to be out there uh, fighting the battle with the salespeople initially. You have to teach them the nuances in selling the product. And then at the back end, you have to ensure you take care of the customers. Uh, you ensure that the value promised during the sales process is delivered in the context of everything that the, the acquiring company provides. Because obviously, before acquiring you, they have a lot of different products. They have uh, the, the customer 
process detailed out and how do they provide value to the customers and you have to make sure that that line with those uh, methodologies and process and practices and that's why i said it's a lot of hard work to ensure that not only continuity is maintained but you are shooting for higher goals yeah absolutely i think like you mentioned a few things one thing is like the continuity for previous customers like making sure they have a streamlined experience interesting as well like the the other side of it is like making sure that the new sales team actually understands the product nuances and how to go about selling it itself through these processes as well have you had any regrets when it comes to the acquisition process anything that you do differently if you had to do it? this is my third acquisition andrew that happened with that, that i've been involved with and previously my regret was always about not getting involved in the sales process earlier early on we got acquired i felt the job is done in terms of in terms of taking the product to the customers to the prospects right because the acquiring company has a big sales team and they'll do the job and what i learned through my acquisitions it's not the case it's because the sales team the existing sales team of the larger companies already used to a sales motion selling the products that they have already learned they have spent time in understanding the nuances in the product and so when a new product is presented to it there is an initial resistance because it, they have to change their habits change their sales motion exactly <clears throat> and so that is where a lot of the entrepreneurs founders after acquisition and that's why if you look at across the industry a lot of the acquisitions have not been successful right because it takes a takes a village to be successful and over the acquisitions what i've learned is that it's very important after the acquisition the founder rolls up his or her sleeve and get into the trenches with the sales team reaching out to the customer in demonstrating the sales motion involved with your product in showing that at the end of the sales process they will be successful with the product that's something that i've learned and i would definitely encourage all the founders and entrepreneurs to think about uh, this and not think about acquisition as the end game it's a life after the acquisition where you have to ensure that the, your your product is formally and nicely embedded within the company yeah it's like it's the means to an end it's not the end of the acquisition it, it, it also it's like it makes so much sense when you lay it out in that way in the sense that the sales team like they're already getting their compensation their bonuses based on sales they've been driving previously they know their previous products like to sell something new you need to put the work in and like if somebody's already got a good paid job and they're really getting the good commissions what is their motivation so interesting that you said really is like the founders to roll up their sleeves get in there and start pushing so maybe talk to us a little bit about strike deck the motivation to found in the beginning like why did you start strike deck to start yeah andrew right in the beginning when you introduced me you met talked about lead formics that i sold to calidus sap yes so that was all about finding leads and converting those leads to customers and when i was thinking about starting something new i thought about how about continuing the customer journey life cycle but moving further along the cycle right i was involved with converting leads to customers now how about taking those customers and converting them into successful customers so that was the inspiration so i felt like the tact the methods the practices that we discovered in the process of taking a lead successful customer to customers can again be modified and 
that experience can be leveraged in this in this domain as well so that was the starting point the other thing andrew that inspired me was this fact that all the boardroom meetings there was a constant chatter about what are the new logos that were acquired this quarter right the new sales the the focus there was never a focus actually to the gold mine that existed in your backyard which is your existing customers how are you leveraging it how are you taking them to the next level how are you uh, getting them to be advocates how are you harnessing that advocacy power in your sales i thought it's time to make people more aware about how, you know how this powerful force can be leveraged can be engaged and fortunately i feel like it coincided with this whole product growth movement that has come about where people have realized that if you and take your customer base and make them successful get them to realize the value them to change their habits around your products then the expansion will occur and and that flywheel effect is really powerful more than even building a a big size uh, sales team yeah absolutely and i think this is obviously i don't think it's any secret why i'm so bullish on focusing on retention itself i think because there is this compounding effect when it comes to retaining customers like really being able to expand existing customers is in terms of like growth it is one of the biggest levers you can ever be able to pull at some point most like really successful companies realize how the importance and a uh, shift to focus. Uh, and definitely I see sort of the product led trends like helping uh, with the headwinds there. The thing to talk about today as well then as well a little bit in terms of you've seen different companies at different stages and let's switch to the context of sort of customer success and how like coming in maybe from a company like Strike Deck joining Medallia, you must have seen like different stages of customer success maturity and obviously with all the customers that you've had in the past. So how do you go about assessing your customer success maturity and understand like how to make improvements going forward? Yeah, that's a great question, Andrew. And this is where I feel companies go wrong. Um, they take the established practice or or practices that has been suggested and rush in to adopt them in their organization where they are missing out is assessing where they are in their customer journey how sophisticated their customers are how well trained are their internal right how well equipped their internal teams are in terms of handling the customers needs requirements and going through the journey so if companies spend enough time in understanding the lay of the land that is there uh, in terms of readiness in terms of preparedness customer success that then will help them understand where they are in the maturity cycle and once they understand they are in the maturity cycle then they can follow the path that works best for them and let me give you some example right Please. let's let's assume an organization does fantastic job whenever they have a shout customer scenario right and this is a common occurrence we have seen the shouting customer gets the priority right that means your your maturity is on the lower side right because whoever is shouting whoever is expressing concern whoever is pressing the escalation button you rush to solve the problem for them and you do a great job but 
that shows that you are not structured that shows that you are not you are not predictive you are not proactive and so that is where you recognize that you do a great job in terms of escalations but you don't you're not proactive and once you recognize that, then it's about okay how do we get to that proactive state what are the symptoms that we need to look out for and how do we know what kind of proactive approach we need to take across our customers few of the customers we actually should be less proactive because they the customer is very proactive right in that case you just enable whereas few of the customers are not that organized they are not well staffed and that's where you need to be proactive in terms of giving them the help so that is where the value of the customer maturity comes in and that's where the treatment once you understand the customer is important as well yeah that's it's very interesting uh, and i like the measurement or the question understanding are you being reactive in terms of your customer success are you reacting to a shouting customer versus having the sophistication to like prevention is better than cure being proactive from that side of things are there any other signs that you you look for when trying to assess the maturity of an organization so one definitely being like the shouting customer like what else are you looking for when you're trying to like coming into a customer success team and uh, evaluating where they're at yeah and to the other thing i would say that's really important is the size of the company and the stage where you are at the stage of the company and if you're a company that that has just got started with a product then i would say your focus should be on the onboarding because if you solve the onboarding challenge then you're well on your way to solve the adoption problem as well if you have not solved your onboarding challenge that would guarantee that you will have churn issues and so we, you have released the product recently you have to focus overwhelmingly on the onboarding challenge right and you can do that by iterating with the customer by figuring out what what point is is a friction coming in right one of the popular code that i leverage and i say this to all my customers is um, if you need your customers to refer to a manual while onboarding to get to the first value you have a serious issue the customer should be able to get to the first value without need of an manual user manual on their own because if they get to the first value quickly and without that much friction that means that um, they feel validated in their decision to purchase the product that means that they are now ready to waste more time and effort uh, into leveraging the product so that's during the onboarding focus on the first value focus on how quick the users are able to leverage the platform right to demonstrate that they have reached the first value to their organization thus building more momentum around your product right now compare to to a product to a company that has released the product if we think about a company that is fairly mature with their product they've had the product in the market for a long time then um they need to think about customer success in a different way now they need to think about what are the service that they need to provide to the customer so that they can consolidate their presence and those services could be implementation services that are one time or managed services that are recurring in nature i will go back to an example that i've used again and again 
you know, your mainstream products like ServiceNow, Workday, they generally change their prices after a customer has been using the product for four years. And the four years here is a magic number. Why? Because uh, in four years, companies would build processes around your product, right? So the product is well entrenched. When they, when companies build pro, uh, processes around your product, when the habits are set around your product, that is when yanking out the product, replacing with the competitor becomes very difficult. So once you have a customer who's onboarded, now you're thinking about what is the repeat value that companies can get from the product, right? By repeat value, recurring value, right? How can you ensure that on a monthly, quarterly basis, the customer is feeling that they are giving a lot of the value on a continuous basis. Now they know the next quarter what value they are going to get. And once that is established, then they obviously will, will invest even more with the product. They are ready for the expansion. And when they start consuming services, that's even more value add for them. Yeah, and definitely see all those stages. Well, I think talking about onboarding to start, like early stages, I think it's by far on the show, one of the biggest like reasons for churn is having not a solid onboarding setup. And then for sure, like it ends up, you see it further down the funnel, it has its compounding effects. And I like the way you talk through the different stages of growth and maturity of the company in terms of the practices. So then it, it moves in on from onboarding to ensure you're having focused efforts on adoption and getting feature usage up and getting that like continued usage to con- show continued value. An interesting point, like the four-year market, in my mind, like in SaaS, four years sounds like a long time, but like you say, once you're entrenched, once you're building processes around this product or the service that you're using, it becomes extremely difficult. And I think that's also like one of the beauties about SaaS businesses is then it becomes extremely predictable as well. And uh, that business is going to continue to grow almost indefinitely. Very hard to be pulled out at that point. Interesting. Let's rewind a little bit to the beginning as well. You mentioned like the onboarding process being one of the first places to start. Let's like even go before onboarding and and say like you're a new startup, like uh, growing quite nicely, but you're now thinking about introducing customer success. How do you go about jumpstarting a customer success program? Where do you start? What are some of the first hires that you would be looking uh, to bring on board and how would you go about setting about out their practice? That's a great question, Andrew. I have seen um, a lot of the companies who now recognize the value of customer success. They are unsure of where to start, right? Do they hire a awesome customer success who's got tremendous experience or they, ha- or they hire their first CS who's hands-on uh, working with the product team in figuring out the early challenges. One thing I would suggest is to start thinking about product experience versus engagement experience. Product experience is that once the users are inside your product, how are they experiencing it? How are they deriving value from the product? Second is engagement experience is basically being proactive, right? Can you build a CSM team who are able to engage with the customers on a proactive basis and where the customers um, you know, are compelled to say that just engaging with your team is a delight, right? It's happiness all around. So when you start thinking about that now, then you are thinking about what are the skills that my 
CS team need to have? And I specifically pointed out those two separately because when you are looking for your CMs, you have to make sure that they understand the whole product experience, understand the, the value of the product experience, then they are ready to work collaboratively the product, right? So I'll give you an example how CSMs can work product proactively with the product team, right? If, if the CSM are found during the onboarding stage, a user is coming to the product and is having trouble importing data. There is a button right there in the product that says, upload your CSV file. They're uploading the CSV file, but oftentimes the formatting is not correct and there is an error. And so then they have to go back to their CSV file, figure out what's the right format. And that takes three, four days. So a good CSM who understands the value of the product experience recognizes this, goes to the product team and tells them that, can we up, uh, just where we have the upload the CSV file button, can we provide a sample CSV template right there that the users can download and just use that instead of coming up with their own CSV template and trying to figure out what's working or not. So that's where you need CSMs who understand, who have this ability to recognize the, the challenges that customers are having and then leverage that with the team. I'll give you another example on that front, right? Zoom, the conference that we are in with the CSM teams, with the CSMs, working with the prospect customers, that's where they discovered this magical uh, time limit of 45 minutes, free time. It was not 30 minutes. It was not one hour. It was during this multiple iterations with the customers, they discovered that 45 minutes is uh, good enough for prospects or customers to start using Zoom on a regular. At some point, they feel like we need to have this one hour time limit for the Zoom. We should not go back, restart. So let me convert into a paid plan. If they had used 30 minutes as a free plan, it would not have worked, right? 30 minutes, it's too short. 45 minutes is where the customer or the user says, let me give it a chance. So what I'm saying is that the CSMs need to have skill to interact with the customers, to figure out all those small that give joy to the customer or makes their life easier and take that to the product team. That is right. The second skill set that I talked about is engagement experience. Is proactive is not an easy skill for human beings. We are generally uh, designed to be, and so proactive is a habit that's nurtured and adopted, right? And so you need to find out, find or hire those CSMs who demonstrate that they are ready for that proactive motion and. That is when the customer may be having issues with the product, but you proactively go to the customers and say that, I understand that this is the, the issue that may come up or issue that you may be challenging. I'm already working with the product team to figure out a solution. But meanwhile, here's a hack that you can use and, and somehow get some value. And I'll tell you, the customers would appreciate that and they would even be forget any issues or forgive any issues that are happening with the product. Yeah, I like that example of uh, the hack. I've seen it as well, like previously working with some really good uh, CSMs. It was always the ones like being able to find uh, hacks to let customers get their job done, uh, although it might not be the most like elegant solution. Right. If somebody has a problem and you can solve it for them there without like having to wait for new features to be released and things, I think that is a 
a delightful moment in its, in its own and definitely a strong skill set. It doesn't come around very often though where you can find and that's I think uh, right. from what I've seen. Going back to your question on where do organizations start, I elaborated on the skill set that they need to look out for in a good CSM. I would say there are two ways to start your CS practice. One is by hiring a CS leader who understands CEO's vision and who is thinking about building the CS practice as per the vision, right? And who knows how to put together the details. That's one way, which is top down. The way to start is, and especially if you're a younger startup, it's to start bottoms up, which is you hire a, a CSM who understands the product really well, who sits next to the product team, understands how to design early experiments with the customer, take those experiment data to the product team and figuring the right onboarding mix, figure out how do you put together the adoption tracks and so on. And then bring in the other members and, and after some time, bring in the CS leader. So there are two approaches. I would say the younger startup should go with hiring a CSM first and then slowly with maturity, bringing on a leader, whereas uh, larger startups should think about hiring a leader and then building the entire CS organization around the leader. Yeah, that makes sense as well. Uh, And definitely, I think early stages, you need somebody who can roll up their sleeves and get uh, like a little bit of everything done. So sometimes maybe like CS leaders may feel that they pass that in the early days, but to find a really strong one who is willing to go in early is not going to be as easy at a later stage. The next question I wanted to ask you is, let's imagine a hypothetical scenario now that you join a new company and churn and retention is not doing great. And the CEO comes to you and says, like, we really need to turn things around. We need to do it fast. We have three months. You're in charge. What do you do? But the trick is that you're not going to say, I'm going to speak to customers, understand the biggest pain points, and then uh, choose something from there. What you're going to do is pick something that you've seen be effective in your past that's helped reduce churn quickly. So what would be one thing that you would try to at this company to reduce churn quickly? Yeah, that's a tough question, Andrew. And I'm saying this because you have taken the biggest weapon any CS leader has, which is talking to the customers and finding out, right? So in absence of that, I would suggest two things. One is I would go into the support tickets. And I look at the, what, what does the ticket say? Because that is, gives you some perspective on, on how customers are feeling, right? And then work with the product team to solve the issues. So that is one. Second thing that I would do is work with my CS team to figure out how to engage with the customers proactive. And all those proactive engagements, I'll make sure that we are focused on the value, either how much value the the customer is deriving from the product or the value that's being delivered by. So the second thing, and then I'll go back to my favorite topic, also onboarding. Generally, if there are high churn, I can bet that 99.9% of time, the problem is with onboarding, right? If you are not onboarding the customer well, the chances of churn happening goes up right there. And so if it's a very high churn, that means you're not onboarding well. And so fix the onboarding issue and immediately the churn number will come down. 
Does Absolutely. that help or I'm being vague here? No, it helps. I think it's a trick question in its own right because like solving churn retention fast is not uh, how it works. I think it's it's definitely a lagging metric and it's impact of months and months of hard work, but it's always good to hear some of the things you would do to try and reduce it quick. Uh, last question then for today. What's one thing you know about churn and retention today that you wish you knew when you got started with your career? Yeah, again, that's a trick question in some way, Andrew, because there are so many things that I could mention and picking one is tough. I would say today, I definitely understand what proactive mindset is all about. And I'm saying this because the word proactive is one of the most, I think, abused word in customer success. Why? Because we keep talking about customer success is all about proactive. And I've heard so many CSMs saying that, we don't even get time. We are forever focused on all the customers who are complaining. And I feel like I'm not doing my job, right? And so I've seen a lot of despair in the CSM from that perspective. So proactive is about anticipating issues and to get to proactive state, it's not a magical bullet. You have to follow an iterative process where you figure out, okay, what are the recurring issues that are happening. And once you have found that out, you figure out, okay, what are the scenarios where those issues could happen? What are the, you use the word lagging indicator. In this case, you have to figure out what's the the leading indicator. <coughs> and so once you find out the leading indicator, you can then figuring out, you can figure out how to be proactive. So looking back, if I knew about this is a way to get to the proactive state, this is how to get your teams to be proactive, I would be a lot wiser and I would have committed less mistakes. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and I think what you mentioned was like, a stage, like most people complain they don't have time, but spending the time to focus and understand what those leading indicators are and being proactive is going to end up saving you a lot of time on the other side. Very interesting last thoughts. Awesome. It's been a pleasure hosting you today, Shrisha. Is there any sort of final thoughts you want to leave the listeners with? Anything they should be aware of or anything you'd like to share? Yeah. So I would reiterate the fact that customer success in some way is a core concept of product-led growth. And you cannot think about customer success just in terms of churn. You have to think about customer success as growth. And if you are focused on growth, then churn will never happen or will be less. And so figure out how customer success can be a growth strategy and having seamless collaboration with product uh, is super important. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's definitely a mental shift in this, like uh, changing the mindset on customer success, being a cost center to actually a growth center uh, and more and more companies realizing and adopting uh, the value. So uh, I think that's a great point to end the show. And it's been a pleasure hosting you today. I really thank you for your time and I wish you best of luck going forward. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Cheers. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. 
Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to Andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.